Let's talk. Talk about what, Judge? Release the hostage, unharmed, and I guarantee you a sentence of life in an ISO cube without parole. Life without parole? That's a deal you offered? Only if you comply. Your crimes include multiple homicide and the attempted murder of a judge. If you do not comply, the sentence is death. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up! I back it up! That means it's time to roll, baby. You've got nothing going on between your ears, bro. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. Hope you guys, you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wokecast. Kindly joined, as always, by my co-host with the most, G from Woy TV. Oh, I like that. I am somebody that does the most. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> You're out, out in these streets doing the most. Right? Okay. Just out here causing trouble. What up, Mike? How are you? <laughs> Slightly bleary-eyed, I have to say. That was um, that was one hell of a card that we witnessed. UFC 247 and um, a little bit of a surprise I don't know about you but a little bit of a surprise considering going into it I didn't really think that there'd be this many talking points man we better crack on because there's a lot to cover I mean first off oh, yeah. I know you're I know you're the, 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 the prelim Don were there any outstanding aspects of the prelim or the prelims that I missed yeah um I couldn't wait for you to ask this. First of all, uh, <laughs> Lauren Murphy and Andrea Lee was exactly what I said it would be. Two women mm. that are head-to-head -head in the rankings that really need this win, and they went at it. There was no head movement, so it made for a lot of punches being thrown here and a lot of punches being eaten, and it was pretty fun. However, there was some controversy with the judging. Lauren Murphy got the nod. Yeah, but you know that's a whole nother conversation. I I did think that um, you know Andrea Lee outstruck her all three rounds, and I thought she was the winner of this fight. And I thought the judging was a little off. And hopefully, you watch Trevin Giles versus late replacement James Krause. You know something? I didn't get round to that. I was too busy. I have to say, I watched in the end. We're going to get onto it, obviously, mm -hmm. at some point during our discussions, but. I watched Ray's Jones three times and um, for obvious reasons. Ooh. And, you know, speaking of judging, which obviously is going to come up with Ray's Jones. Um, it's funny that you, uh, you mentioned Lauren Murphy mm -hmm. because during that bout, um, Joe Rogan, and I have to say, Dominic Cruz pointed out the same thing that they were seeing and that was judges not actually looking at the wow, fight so yes. if they're looking at the floor if they're looking away if they're looking yeah, anywhere texting. but the octagon yeah yeah mm -hmm. what is it that they are looking at that's giving them the authority to make a decision on a fight and more importantly what are they missing that's ultimately going to affect the outcome of the fight if you're not watching you're not racking up on the appropriate points to pick out a winner and that's yeah. what was concerning to me. If you're not watching, what are you doing? Because you're going to mm. have to pick someone to win if this goes to decision. You can't flip a coin. So to hear those commentators, Joe Rogan and Dominic Cruz, confirm each other and, and go back and forth on how they could see judges not paying attention was just, you know, disheartening, heartbreaking, too, you know. You know what, though? I liked the fact that they called them out because they could have quite, have, quite, have, quite quickly or quite um, easily have swept that under the carpet because from my vantage point I couldn't see what the judges were doing but they could clearly see that they didn't have their eyes on the fight and that seemed to be a dominant theme when it came down to judging that they were either not looking at the fight or they didn't know what they were looking at. Yeah and and to be honest with you thank God the commentators did that because it gave us an explanation as to why there were so many messed up you know, um, calls that night. Because honestly, if they didn't touch up on something being wrong, we would be at home like, what? what's happening? Corruption or who are these people? So thank God they just gave us a glimmer of some sort of explanation like, oh, they're not watching. It's shady. And I believe this morning I saw an article where Andrea Lee is actually requesting people to like send in like video footage or proof of them not paying attention so she can appeal. Wow. Like, yeah, she's pissed. And I think she should be. 
So with them saying that on the air, it gave Andrea Lee the ammunition that she needs to look for to file an appeal, which I thought was kind of cool. And it's why Joe and them said something. It had to be brought to people's attention because some of these calls were just outlandish. And like I say, the, the, the travesty is that it happens once, but I've got a sneaking <laughs> suspicion that this seemed to be the theme going throughout the night. But, you know, before we get onto the yeah, yeah. main card, um, from what you were saying there, I obviously missed a barnstorming fight. So just, just talk us through that then. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I already talked you through Lauren Murphy and Andrea Lee. It, I, yeah. It was a messed up call, but still go back and watch it. These ladies, they threw leather and it was fun. And they didn't, okay. they didn't move their, there was no head movement. So a lot of them got punched. They both got punched a lot. And so it was kind of cool to see. But anyway, mm-hmm. on to Trevin Giles and James Krause. Um, Trevin Giles had a very scary first round. James Krause is an expert at his jiu-jitsu, and he was just giving Trevin the business once he got on his back, and there were a lot of scary moments. And big up to Trevin for being able to, you know, maintain his composure, Mike. But basically, by the end of the first round, he turned it around and was on top, but time had run out. So then he comes out in the next two rounds, and he starts to outstrike him. And James Krause, of course, you know, he's a late replacement, Mike. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Big up to him. Yeah. But he's running out of gas in the in the rounds two and three. So it's you know, he's not doing as well. He's still, you know, you know, eating some shots, but Trevin is hitting him really hard with a lot of significant shots and he winds up getting this um win. I need you to go back and watch this fight. It was so much fun. And big up to Trevin for taking on such a you know, just such a step up in competition. That was a real test for him whether James Krause was a late replacement or not. And big up wow. for James for going up in a whole new weight class in one day's notice and testing himself like this. So no losers in my book in this fight and I need you to go back and watch this fight. Well, you know something, you've built this to be something to behold. So I've got that on my must-dos before the midweek show. So I'll definitely take a look at that. Did I miss anything else before we get onto the main card? I mean, there's, um, let me check the early prelims. Um, I thought Andre Ewell and Jonathan Martinez was fun. Again, you know, watch it, be be a bit of a skeptic. And basically, Mike, be your own judge. There's also some controversy (laughs) In this fight as well. One of the wow. judges gave Andre Yule a round and all of us were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so watch it because it's going to be fun and it's a barn burner. And both of them displayed heart and a lot of hard punches were thrown and it was fun back and forth. But make sure you judge it on your own account. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, you know, there's some others. Everybody basically might put in put in that work for the early prelims and prelims. I, I even tweeted like everyone on this card earned their paycheck. So you'll be happy to just go back and check out these prelims. And we've got a newcomer by the name of um, Chaos. What's his name? Um, some guy showed up on the early prelims, Chaos Williams, and he stormed this uh, new dude named Alex Morono. And it was a beautiful KO in the first round. That is a must-see new prospect on the scene. And his name, Chaos, suits him. He came out like a a rabid animal, threw some heavy shots at him, and didn't stop until the fight was over. You need to see that one. And like I said, everybody went to work, you know. So thank God it was a fun card because there was so much controversy. So, you know, but I'm ready to get into the main card and and talk to you about what you did see. So let's do that. Well... Put it this way, um, of the main card, Mm -hmm. what really stood out for me in terms of talking points, I was really um, hell-bent on putting or betting the house that one (laughs) Adams was going to come out of there and be victorious and be like calling for a rematch with, you know, Greg Hardy. This was his redemption opportunity. This was his, well, I suppose, um, road back because coming into that, like two fights down as in you know he's he sustained two losses one of them to Greg Hardy I mean you know the whole lead up to that Greg Hardy fight and um, how that actually ended you know I thought that this was going to be a real redemptive story but you know Justin Taffer wasn't coming in there to be the victim he wasn't coming in there to lay down he wasn't coming in there to be you know some kind of punch bag he laid the smack of down for me um there, there, there were there were two storylines in here, and that is 
this was obviously his debut and well Justin Tafford's debut and this was one Adam's um, opportunity to stay with the promotion now he came in there with some big hype and he delivered big on that hype the fact is I don't know about you, but I'd be very surprised if one Adams still actually, well, isn't UFC, is a UFC employee come uh, Monday morning. No, and I hate to say it, and I'm not trying to say this in a negative way, but I don't think he should be working for the UFC Monday morning, and I don't mean that in a malicious way. I think that he needs to go back to the regional circuit. I think he's a victim of the contender series. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times when you tell these young people to go for some outlandish knockout and they get it done, you know, they get a, they get a contract. And then they come up to the, you know, to the real deal of the UFC. And you can obviously see that some of these folks are not ready for the big show. And I think a lot of folks in the contender series are going to have careers similar to Juan Adams. You know, he couldn't handle the pressure of fighting another contender series opponent as popular and as, you know, notorious as, um, what's his name? How could I forget his name? Greg, Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, And yeah. he did horrible. And I'm not trying to be mean here when I say that. I'm just being honest. Like, he went for um, a single leg, stayed there, and wound up getting pummeled in the face because he just didn't know to let go of Greg Hardy's leg. And, then, and they were clean shots, oh I mean, God. to end the fight. I mean, that right hook and that right uppercut. Gorgeous. I mean, in, in succession as well. It meant it was all she wrote. And he looked a little bit like a fish out of water, like it happened so quickly. And, and then again, I just think we're seeing like a repeat type of um, performance. He's not ready for the UFC, is, is, is my point. That's why I brought up Greg Hardy. That's why we, yeah. saw, we saw last night. And that is why I'm like... I think it's okay for us to really like Juan Adams, but also to be okay with saying goodbye to him so that he can get the experience he needs on the circuit, on the regional Mm -hmm. circuit. You know, it's sad, but it's what needs to be done. Were you surprised that this actually made it to the main card, given that, yeah, you're you're looking at one uh, one Adams, um, like you say, coming through the Contender Series and Justin Taffer making his UFC debut. Were you a bit surprised, like a few people commented online, that this was um, on the main card? Was it main card worthy? I mean, obviously, it, it turned out to be because that was a beautiful finish. But right. were we you got surprised to see on it on there? Yeah, I was very surprised until I found out that his hometown was Houston, Texas. So then I was like, oh, ah, that makes right. sense. They want, you know, every time they book these fights, they want some hometown um, crowds. It's going to bring out ticket holders. It's going to bring out people yeah. to the seats. That that's also a tactic to put some butts in the seat. You know, it's it's money. So I get it. And then also his friends and family are there. Yada yada yada. So once I realized that, I knew why he was on the main card. But we did get lucky because, like I said, Mike, on the prelims there was a lot of decisions, and um, Juan Adams and Tafa came in there and they changed that with that beautiful. Yeah. Um, uppercut at that such a strange and short angle too it was gorgeous how he adjusted to land that right on his chin it's a beautiful short uppercut but thank god we got that because it served as a knockout on the main car so sometimes you know stuff like this works out in our favor so i have no regrets yeah yeah yeah. i mean sticking with the theme of those who more than likely will be given their marching orders come monday morning Ilya Latifi versus Derek Lewis. Um, I have to say, and I hate to say, I told you so, but there was no other way that this was actually going to go down. And I wasn't shocked or surprised. I was, you know what? I was more shocked and surprised that Latifi actually um, lasted the duration than the fact that he sustained a loss. Yeah, uh, me too. And I will say this about Alir, um, uh, there's no controversy in this loss. And we're going to get into this more because we got a listener question about this. But there's no controversy in his loss. He won round two, and that was it to me. And he did have some good takedowns. And he was kind of tossing Derek Lewis around, but he wasn't doing anything with the takedowns. Yeah, and exactly. He, but here's a, another thing. I'm going to give him kudos for this. He survived. And, and he didn't look as bad as I thought he was going to be. And I'm not saying his career is at heavyweight. But what I will say is that I'm interested in seeing him take another fight at heavyweight. Like, he did good really? enough for me to see another one. Yeah, just when one you, more. When, That's it. When you, when you say he looked good, or when you say he did enough, 
Um, I, I, I was struggling to say something positive only because oh. every time that he, he secured a takedown, you know, his wrestling, as you know, is phenomenal. Mm. Every time he secured a takedown, um, he didn't do much with it. No. I think it was I in agree. round three that he was, you know, actually to get some shots off when he was in, um, I think he was trying to get them out, but obviously couldn't. But um, what it looked like is... You know, there was a lot of pressing up against the cage. Either he was trying to wear down um, Derek oh, Lewis by, you know, yeah. trying to squeeze all the oxygen out of him because there didn't seem to be any um, want or any kind of desire to stay st it, um, standing. What surprised me, I know I was talking about surprises earlier and that there were no surprises. There, there were. I'm going I'm to retract. I'm going to walk that back because jumping knees and the flying knees wow. and the switch kicks yeah, from Derek Lewis, man of his size and... In terms of history, man of his gas tank, I was very shocked and surprised to see switch kicks, high kicks, um, jumping knees from round one to three. I know. His takedown defense as well, given that that is quite an exhausting um, technique as well. Takedown defense was immaculate, very impressive. I was very, very shocked and surprised. Um, of Derek Lee's 2.0. He looked great. Yeah, he didn't look like a fish out of water. Like, he knew to get back up. And um, also, too, Alir could not control him on the ground. That's why the referee had to stand them up. And for folks that thought Alir won, you don't get points for being stood up. Like, even the referee, you know, knew to stand them up because nothing was happening. You don't get points yeah. for just laying on somebody. This is like a, that's like an old school mentality of judging. But we're going to get into that some more because I have some opinions about some of the judging that we saw. But mm. I'm not saying that I saw a whole lot from Alir. I didn't see enough. And he survived Derek Lewis. So in my mind, I'm like, give him one more. It's not somebody where I'm like he needs to go back down immediately. Let's just let's just give him one more. He survived Derek Lewis is all I'm saying. And that's my way of actually saying something nice to him. <laughs> you know what I mean is that I say give him one more fight. He did better than I thought. I thought Derek Lewis was going to take his head off, but Derek is the clear and concise winner. There should be no controversy with who won that fight. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit skeptical that um, there is anything else to see here because, you know, in this fight, it did have some huge opportunities, but there didn't seem to be any attempt to get them out. I mean, and look at his size in comparison to um, Derek Lewis. Yeah. And I would say that's kind of like the norm in terms of size, in terms of stature mm -hmm. in the heavyweight division. I mean, OK, my question is to you then. Mm -hmm. You want to see more? Who are you going to give him? Who is Ooh, going to get the best out of Ilir Latifi at heavyweight? Oh, Given that he's coming now, he would have come now off three losses. Okay, albeit two in succession at light heavyweight, but this is his third loss in the, well in a row in the UFC. Oh man, that's an awesome, 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 awesome question. I have not put much thought into that yet. I definitely don't want him fighting anybody at the top. God forbid. Um, no Stipe, no nobody like that. Um, I'm surprised you say that because I thought that you you were gonna chime in there with, why not give him Greg Hardy? Oh, that's um, bingo. I think you answered uh, my question for me. Why not? Why not? What do you think of that? Well, put it this way. I, I personally feel um, that there's not an awful lot we're going to learn uh, about Ilya Latifi. We're not going to see anything um, in terms of a progressive game plan, mm -hmm. given that if memory serves me correctly, in terms of size and terms of stature, Greg Hardy looks more or less a blueprint or almost... Uh, almost identical to coin a phrase um, when it comes to height and size to Derek Lewis. So, like I say, what I saw last night, and I, and I really am trying to say something positive. I'm trying to say something nice because I love the guy. I think Latifi is. I think I mentioned it on the last episode. He's a charming gentleman. Yeah, he's a stand-up guy. What I saw yesterday, it was a man who was fresh out of ideas, and he was struggling at the weight. Mm, yeah, definitely struggling with strength because he was definitely able to toss Derek around, but notice he could not do anything with it. Exactly. I mean, that was kind of like the theme of the night, Mike, was definitely like, okay, he's got takedowns, but he's not doing nothing. And I feel like mm. old school judging or judging from the past, 
kind of rewards you for taking somebody down. I feel like in this day and age and in present day and with these fighters evolving, now you just can't just take somebody down and, and you get points or you win the round. Like you have to capitalize off these takedowns. And I yeah. didn't see Alir yeah. do that. I didn't see Murphy do that. I didn't see John Jones do that. But yet, you know, people thought they won because they got a takedown. That's not how it goes anymore. Nah. You have to do nah. work now. And then even, Mike, if you think about it, it makes sense because these fighters are showing up to the UFC so well-rounded and so experienced and so good at things that you can't just reward these people with just a takedown, you know, because these newer fighters are getting up very quickly like we saw with Dominic Reyes. So now, you know, you have to evolve with the sport and so does the judging. So now we have to reward people for the takedown, but also for capitalizing, dropping elbows, top control, yada, yada, yada. But the whole theme of last night was, did they really win? Because, you know, they 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 were able to just get a takedown or two, but they were (laughs) outstruck, you know, so it was an interesting night. But, you know, we'll get into the controversy a little bit more, you know, but. I could see one more fight in Alir, but I also can understand your point in being like, I don't know what that guy does <laughs> next. Yeah, because because look, we'll, we'll give him Greg Hardy. Yeah, he I runs like through Greg Hardy, and he should do. But then what? Yeah, because what I mean? there's a possibility he can beat Greg Hardy because <clears throat> of Greg Hardy's obvious lack of of experience, and then yeah. and then Latifi's wrestling. So that's why I say give it to him because it's almost like they bounce each other out. You have someone that's inexperienced versus someone who's experienced, but at the same time, you know, Greg can knock him out at any point and, and you know, folks think he's athletic. So I, I would love to see that. I highly doubt it happens because, you know, Greg Hardy is on some very special favoritism type of developmental program. So I doubt they give him Latifi. And to be honest with you, I don't know what they do with him next. And that's my point. That's why, you know, for me, he does get that pink slip. But, you know, just to to roll back on something which you said, (laughs) you know, like I said, I'm struggling to say something positive because I do like the guy. (laughs) Moving on, Shevchenko versus Valentina Shevchenko versus Chukagan. I have to admit, Again, there were no surprises here. And I'm glad you didn't leave it in the hands of the judges. I wasn't expecting it to be. Because for me, I really do feel with the greatest of respect, Chikagin shouldn't have been in there. This should have been Shevchenko versus um, Joanne Calderwood. Because I really feel... Yep, I feel that Calderwood beat Chikagin last time around. But, you know, what we saw here, I have to say, was a vicious onslaught. It was a one-sided onslaught, I feel, in terms of what we saw. The speed advantage, clearly Chikagin. uh, Sorry, clearly Shevchenko. The variety of attacks. I mean, what did we see Mm -hmm. in there? We saw axe kicks, wheel kicks, uh, spinning back kicks. And they all landed. We're not talking... Did you see her... Slap her across her face yes. with the bottom of her foot. Yes. Lord have mercy. Oh my God. It was so rude, too. And it's so loud. It just put <laughs> out. And it, right and it to was your loud face. as well. You yeah. could not mistake that. It was like a bitch slap, but with her <laughs> foot. I mean, goddamn, Valentina. Um, yeah, no, that, that was um, a sight to see. I mm. loved it. I love when Valentina goes out there and gives us a knockout because, you know, so many folks give her shit for being so technical and yada, yada, yada. So it's just so nice to see her. It's like she's a work of art to me, you know. And what I love most about this fight, I must admit, is that you can see the moment when Valentina figures out Caitlyn and things start to change. You know, in the first round, she keeps kicking her leg. That was Valentina figuring out the range and the distance. She was just, Mm -hmm. the first round was just like, let me just figure this bitch out. And it was beautiful to see and towards the end of the round you can tell she has it figured out because she takes her down and then the second round no 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 let me go back that first round don't forget that elbow after she that took vicious it elbow oh. Oof. Wasn't you, it know, you know what and, you, you, you know what really really killed me when she got back to her corner and they, they they looked at her corner telling her it's not that bad i'm thinking you bloody liars i i we looking at the same cut <laughs> it's horrible they said that they said that with their chest and said that with yeah. confidence yeah, and and they patched her up, and then I loved Caitlyn Shakagian's poker face, but 
But again, I'm going to harp on this one more time, is that when Valentina noticed and was able to figure out the timing, you can see the tides completely change. Yeah. Now here comes the axe kicks. Now here comes the spinning back kicks. Now just here comes the deterioration of the entire fight, and Caitlyn just can't keep up with her. And it was a beauty to see Valentina just figure her out like that. And it was so obvious. But I did like Caitlyn's poker face. She kept her composure, didn't, you know, she didn't fall apart. True. She wasn't like Dustin Poirier looking in her corner all panicked and shit. You mm, know what I mean? Mm. Like, and her corner she, was composed as well. Because like I say, yeah, telling her that. Her and set it on the bed. <laughs> yeah. That's, but I like that. And you saw how she ate it up. She sat there breathing. They patched her up and she went back out there and she did not panic for three rounds. Mm. I loved it. And I loved her little walkout song. She came out to the hood, my DMX. Shout out to Caitlyn for that. That, <laughs> that shit was dope. So, but it was it was that crucifix too, Mike, from from um, the third round Horrible. to get that stoppage. Horrible, oh. suffocating. <laughs> that was terrifying. That's the stuff of nightmares. That's what you you know you you expect to see in in a horror movie. It was. I mean, this whole um, persona that you know people are kind of like trying to foist on her that she's some kind of KGB agent, some kind of secret agent. Man, you can see why. That's the stuff that you'd see in a spy movie. Yeah. She looks like the woman in the Marvel movies. I forget yeah. her name, but she does. She Black just looks Widow. like a. There you go. I love that lady. She looks. She's like the Black Widow, you know. And, and it's just unbelievable. And I just, I love. I know people are upset because she doesn't have any real contenders, but I'm just like fine with her just eating this food up and spitting it back out at, at us. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time over here because this morning on Twitter, people were wondering like, should she fight? Amanda Nunes. And I'm mm. like, ew, no. Like, a third time, and both fights weren't that exciting and whatnot. And Amanda beat her both times. Around, didn't they? Yeah, mm. why? Let let Valentina clear out her division. Let her keep beating everybody up. We're having fun watching. So, you know, let Amanda be the queen of her division and let Valentina run hers. Whilst you know? I'm a little bit biased, obviously, because, you know, um, the Scot, who we all know and love, Joanna Calderwood, uh, I feel, as I mentioned, um, should have been here anyway. I mean, are you with me when I, I, I suggest that, you know, she can be the next person oh, up the bat? Yeah, you with, you with me there? Or oh, you've got someone yeah. else in mind? I mean, I've got something else in mind, but I have it ready for a listener's question. Uh, We're going to okay. talk about that. Man of Mayhem actually wanted to talk about Joanne Calderwood. And, and uh, Valentina's options. So mm. when we'll get into that when we get to that segment. But um, hold on to that. Finally, John Jones versus Dominic Reyes. Now, mm. before we even get into, you know, the whole um, which rounds you feel um, were dominated by Jones and which rounds you feel were dominated by Reyes. Did Reyes tell the truth now? It's only me and you talking Mm-hmm. Who is it that you felt um, can stand here in the cold light of day and said, I knew that Reyes was going to be this um, superhero that just swooped in and basically had relentless cardio for at least the first three rounds and had Jones doing 10 toes in the octagon? Um, I would say about two people on MMA Twitter <laughs> and I am not one of them. <laughs> I would say two, Brandon and uh, Uncle Yaji. Everybody else uh, was like me and you. We were just like, you know, um, John Jones is going to eat this kid up alive. Yeah. That's not what we saw. Mm. And in fact, I would like to go out on the limb and, and jump the gun and say, I think Reyes won, period. That's, that's, my, that's my take on this fight, Mike. Well, What's yours? me and you both. <laughs> I was shocked yep. and surprised. And I have to say my mouth was closed because that wasn't what I expected. Yeah, he talks a good talk. And I think I mentioned that in the last episode in that, you know, he I thought for promo was actually talking at the side of his mouth. And it seemed as though we were well I was ultimately wrong there because he truly believed that you could see the conviction in that he was fearless in the relentless way in which you know he was cutting the angles he was basically relentless in pursuing Jones to to an extent where I forget whether it be either round two or round three but he literally had Jones turning and running oh yeah I mean put it this way for me and um 
I believe that Reyes won rounds one, two, three, and John turned it up. Four and um, five. Four and five. We're and exactly here's one on more. the same page. Yeah, and we're on the same page because, Mike, that's kind of what happened. And and if, if people out there listening don't believe us, please check the UFC stats, and everything we're saying is going to be backed up by this because yes. I had to wake up and look at them. Okay, um, Dominic Reyes outstruck um, – John Jones, rounds one through three. Mm. And because of his stamina and the pace that he was keeping, he could not keep up with that volume, and his output began to diminish. So he was not able to keep up with how many strikes he was throwing, so he went down in the fourth and fifth round. Put it this way. If Dominic Reyes had the cardio and the stamina mm-hmm. to keep up the pace that he had from one through three yep. rounds, he would be our new champ. He would be the Volkanowski of the light heavyweight division. He would have just beat John Jones at his own game, he would have just outstruck him. You know something? But because he ran out of gas, he mm. couldn't do it. Do you think it was that? Or the theme that we started with in terms of this podcast and, you know, the earlier fights, it was clear somebody either had taken their eye off the ball or they weren't watching completely. Because it just from the fact that I think it was one judge or was it two judges that gave round two. To Jones. Un- unreal. I, unreal. I, I, I heard I the same believe thing. It. And it made me go back to what Joe and Dominic was saying. Were they not watching? <clears throat> and and we have to discuss another part of MMA that is not evolving with the sport. And that is this silliness that now, oh, you have to beat the champ to win decisively. Nah. If what is this? If he outstruck him. Even though his output diminished in the fourth and fifth rounds, he still was beating him to the punch. Yep. And, and all John did was get a couple of takedowns in the fourth and fifth round, but he didn't do anything with them. So what points did he get from that? It still didn't make up for Dominic Reyes outstriking him. And here's another thing. In the fourth and fifth rounds, Mike, John Jones did not even get a 10-9 round. He didn't even blow it out the water. Those rounds were, were kind of close, too. There was no 10-9 rounds for John. So you can argue that Reyes won all day. It's just, it's, it's championship bias. What and a game plan, though. I mean, he took the pace away from Jones early, and it seemed like absolutely. the game plan was to just wreck that body. I mean, he, he was like giving him a volley of body kicks and some beautiful oh, yeah. uppercuts but Cuts. but just concentrating Ooh. on that body and to an extent where you know i think dana white said that he thought john slipped when he well when he supposedly fell he didn't he was made to sit down with a solid oh in the first round yeah. when he hit him with that straight right yeah with no, a he didn't solid slip. solid strike he didn't yeah slip. we saw john jones get knocked down in the first round but let me tell you this when did dominic reyes get knocked down there you, you, see, go. you see what i'm saying mm. It doesn't make sense. In the in the very first round, he gets knocked down. He was hit with beautiful body shots to his midsection, along with some kicks. It was unreal. And some of those uppercuts at the angles in which Dominic was throwing them yeah. and his lateral movement. And just to be able to fight on the back foot so well like that was just unreal. But at the same time, the reason why... John Joe snuck out the back door with that win was why? Because he's still really good. Um, he, he has a good poker face as well. He eats shots really well. He's that guy that's like, he's hurt, but he's not going to show it. You know, and he was eating some good shots. And he's technically sound. Even his defense, whenever Dominic Reyes threw up a, um, a kick, a, high, a head kick, he blocks it beautifully, even if it's a hard kick and it hurt him. You know what I mean? His elbow was still up, blocking that kick, giving the judges the impression that it's blocked, but really he could be hurt somewhat, but he's playing the poker face. But there were some hard blocked kicks that he still ate. And it was just gorgeous to watch them both just go at it like that. Yeah, but it was a great fight to watch. It was, but I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm one of those folks. I watched the fight again this morning when I woke up, and Dominic Reyes should be our new champion. He, he clearly won rounds one, two, two and three. And, and John turned it up like a veteran in the fourth and fifth round. And I think John, in his head, he knew. When, he, when the fight was over, did you see, hear him already like, oh, I got the takedowns? Because he knew that performance was too close and kind of shit. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. And he does it every time when he fought Tiago. Remember, he, as soon as the fight was done, I beat a black belt in, <laughs> uh, in, um, 
in Muay Thai. And you know why he keeps doing that, Mike? Because his performance doesn't speak for itself. Mm. He has to bolster his uh, um, performances after the fight because they, they're too close now. So he's got to talk a little shit. Look at me. Look at me. I did. I fought well. <laughs> because your performance didn't speak for yourself, sir. Mm, yeah, you know? yeah. And and speaking what, of narrative and, and, and speaking of shoehorning a narrative, I listened to the fight the second time round with mm-hmm. the actual commentary off. Because, again, Me too. I don't know what narrative um, both Joe and Dominic were pushing, but it wasn't what I was watching. No, it wasn't. And um, I, I tweeted about that this morning. And I right. watched. And the reason why I tweeted that is because I watched the fight on mute. I couldn't take it anymore. Mm. John Jones is sitting here eating 3,000 shots, and all you, you all want to talk about is his chin. Yeah. I get that his chin is, is, is non-stoppable. You, you, he's not getting dropped, but make, be sure to notice that Dominic Reyes is eating him up a, a bit here. Like, enough already. You know, be like they were somewhat biased. But question for you, Mike. Mm. What did you think? Of Dominic Ray is kind of just standing there being a gentleman with the loss. I couldn't stand I, his post-fight um, deliverance, whatever that was. I, I, I loved it. I'll tell you why. Because that's, that, is, that is the sign of a classy champion. And that is the sign of, I feel, a future champion. He's championship material. He showed that in this fight. Not only through the array of, you know, kicks, elbows, um, teeps. From, and that, that right, elbow the from, the, from, the, from the clinch. That was... Perfect. Oh, landed, landed solidly. Oh. I mean, John Jones tried a few um, elbows. Okay, one or two of them got through, but not as solidly as my man Ray's. And, you know, yeah. it sounds like, you know, I, I, I've suddenly done a 360 or a 180, sorry, on Ray's. But, you know, you have to give it up to him. Praise where it's due. Not only did he um, act like a champion by way of performance, he acted like a champion in the way that he humbly accepted defeat. Now, now I do somewhat like the humble aspect of it, but this is the day and age of the entertainment business. I'm not saying that Dominic Reyes needed to be a heel, Mm. no, but we need some sort of balance. When the UFC gives you the mic after a fight, whether you beat somebody closely or... um, you know, or or there's controversy, and yeah. if you want a specific opponent or a title fight, you gotta ask for it. You gotta talk about it. He's gotta get the fans on his side. He's gotta get some controversy going with this fight, and he should be trying to run that shit back. Because don't forget, Jean and um, Corey Anderson are about to fight. So why not get everybody behind your rematch and do it now? Why? Get people talking now. Why? He was really clear. And this is why I loved the classy way in which he dropped this. I feel I won. There's no, no, nothing else to see here. I won rounds one, two, and three. He was emphatic in the rounds that he won. And I feel he was absolutely 100% correct in the rounds that he called. One, two, and three, total mm-hmm. domination. I don't. What well, the thing that baffled me as well? I saw so many people on Twitter saying how close it was. I don't feel it was close at all. It was clear who the winner was. I thought so too. In fact, when the fight was over, I waited for and knew there was no like my butt cheeks weren't tight. I wasn't one of those moments where you're like, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah. It was just like I was more concerned that they would give it to Jones because the judges sucked that night. Mm. I wasn't really concerned with like who the the winner was i was like it's obviously race i swear to god i thought he won rounds one two and three and i think the momentum started to change a little bit in john's favor i i'm I'm unsure of which round but i remember being like oh john's getting his timing but dominic still won that round you know what i mean so i don't i just think john is old school he knew to turn it up in the fourth and fifth round yeah he knows that dominic was not going to beat him you know emphatically and the judges agreed with him. You got to take it from the champ. You can't win by a, a close decision or a decision against John Jones. And he took the guy down twice. And I'm glad you and say guess, that. I'm glad you say that about um, he took it old school because there is this old school or there was this old school notion that you had to finish strong. And that's what he did. Rounds four mm-hmm. and five, he finished um in their judges' eyes and in the judges' minds, all they will probably be playing is what they saw in the closing stanzas. 
There's yeah. no one that can tell me different. Plus, as I say, I really do feel that you're 100% correct there when you talk about his approach to what is an old school winning formula. He, it was oh, yeah. textbook, textbook winning formula, old school put, style. Put it this way, Mike. If we had the judges that we had last night judge the fight between Yo Romero and, mm. and, and, and Costa, yeah. they would have picked Yo to win because mm. that takedown, that controversial takedown where Yo took down Costa, but he didn't do anything with it. He just took him down. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought he won that round. I didn't. I was like, one takedown without doing anything is not enough. Costa won the fight. But if we had those judges from last night that I feel that were incompetent but also very old school when they were watching... Mm. They were letting people win fights just off the break of, oh, well, you got two takedowns. You win. No, it's not like that anymore. Mm. You got to take people down and you got to do something with do it. damage. Yeah. I think this uh, the point system. I think we need to just, you know, revamp it. I think there's issues with different commissioners and old school and, and transitioning and this, this the, the evolution of the sport. I think we all need just to sit down and make some changes to it, Mike. And just have a standard, you know? I'm not so sure, to be honest with you. I'm going to be the dissenting voice in the wind. I don't, mm, I, I feel, do I, I feel it might need to be tweaked because you and I know that the Temple Must system is adopted from boxing. But I just yeah. feel that, you know, perhaps as a judge, you should uh, keep your eyes on the fight. How about that as a start? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, that, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to take that away from you. That was absolutely egregious. You know, the fact that commentators that actually work for the UFC yeah. were able to just see that and then to 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 say it, you know, mm. like it, I think in itself that they pointed it out was somewhat controversial. But I think I feel like they had to to just have some type of explanation for the viewers or last night would have just been like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Can you imagine if Joe yeah. and Dom had said nothing? Hmm. We would be over here like, who the hell was judging? You know, so I mean, it, it was unreal because it was more than it was a couple of fights that were like this now we've given our perspectives on judging but you know whose perspective we haven't heard from kairos all right listen up fellas this is gonna go nice and easy we know none of you is packing so no heroics huh for the contest 48 47 48 47 and 49 46 for the winner by unanimous decision and still Hello, everybody. What's the commonality between those two clips, you ask? They are both goddamn robberies. I had to put up for a week with you propaganda speakers, you heretics and non-believers tell me I don't know what the hell I'm talking about when I say athleticism allows you to shorten learning curves and get away with a lot more than you think it does. I had to put up with people saying, Kairos, athleticism has nothing to do with what they're going to do in the octagon this Saturday night. Dominic Reyes is going to get smoked. He doesn't stand a chance. John Jones has greater athleticism and he's a greater athlete. Well, guess what? Watching that fight, I'd like to argue otherwise. Because it looked like Dominic Reyes put it on John Jones for three straight rounds and at least, at the very least, won a unanimous decision. But guess what? No. We had to get a goddamn robbery from the worst judges in the universe in Houston gifting him that decision. Gifting Derek Lewis that decision. Gifting other fighters terrible scorings of rounds. Guess what? But I don't know shit, right? I don't know shit. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I put out a video about a week ago saying that John Jones is not some world-class athlete in terms of athleticism because he's six foot five and can't dunk a basketball. Get out of your minds right now that it's basketball and it's dunking. Think about his dimensions right now. You are six foot five. And your hand, if you reach from your shoulders, is probably the equivalent to probably seven or eight feet tall, which means you lack the explosive ability to get up 24 inches to dunk a basketball. When you put it in terms of that, that is alarming at any level you talk about. And always the rebuttal was Kairos. He has two brothers in the NFL. They did this and that. Those are the accolades of his brothers. Those are not his own. He did not accomplish those things. His brothers did that. And why, why is athleticism important? Like I told you, explosibility is in every single movement that you do. It allows you to get out of positions. It allows you to get into positions that you otherwise probably couldn't get into. Why did I sit out the video of Derek Lewis not using any technique, but exploding back up to his feet whenever he's in a less dominant position on the ground? That's a form of athleticism. Oh my word. The comments, the hate, 
everything, all you people fuel me. That fuels me inside. Why do you think I don't quit? Because I love showing y'all that y'all don't know what you're talking about. When you tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Mike, Gina, oh my. I know I'm out of control right now. I'm unhinged. I'm angry. I'm mad. I'm upset because this has gone on for far too long in combat sports. You got a person with an opinion that's far left, alternative, controversial. They're screaming. They're angry. But they're not the person spewing out hate to the people with the opposing argument. No, it's always the people who think that they're self-righteous, do no harm, and holier than thou. Well, guess what, people? The judges gifted you safety this weekend because had Dominic Reyes won that on the cards for those judges, y'all would have felt my wrath for the next two years. That robbery is almost as bad as Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler. I think Robbie Lawler won one round in that entire fight. Go back and watch that fight. I'm sick and tired of people telling me also the fix for allowing judging to improve in the sport is to let the fans choose. You people are out of your goddamn minds. They say verdict is the way. Verdict has the answers. Last time I checked, verdict had Derek Lewis winning. Last time I checked, it had John winning the fight. Last time I checked, verdict scored, uh, who was it? Cowboy versus Leon Edwards for Donald Cerrone. I'm just, no. You fans should not be allowed to score fights, and allowing former fighters to score fights is a slightly better fix, but you're going to run into the same issue, but it's bias. You, If we allow former fighters to judge fights, you cannot score the fight of someone who you have trained with, someone who you are friends with, someone you hang out with, or a person who you have faced in the past. Because that's room for you to be biased for or against them. And we can't allow that because we'll just fall back in the same trap. And I know what you guys are going to say. Kairos, you have all these problems with the scoring. What's the solution? Simple and plain, it's this. You have five judges. They are in a soundproof room. They can't see the crowd. They can only see the fights. They can't talk to each other. And they score the fights. At the end of each round, their scores are posted up on the Jumbotron with their names in their faces. So we can identify them when and if they do make a mistake. And if they have repeated acts of negligence where they're not watching the fight or they're looking at something or they're looking at their phone or looking at their watches they're done at all levels i don't care you don't care about these fighters putting it out on the line for you we don't need you we don't want you we have people who can do a better job at it and why did they need a soundproof room so that they aren't influenced by the crowd or by the announcers? Joe Rogan had a lot of people convinced that Dominic Reyes was losing that fight because his punches and kicks were labored going into the fourth and fifth round, but failed to mention that he was landing bombs for 15 minutes straight on one of the most defensively gifted fighters we've seen in the UFC and pound for pound greatest fighter. Also, Felicia Spencer versus Chris Cyborg. He had so many people thinking that Chris Cyborg was losing and that she would lose if this fight dragged on for 15 straight minutes. But Cyborg was putting those knuckles to Felicia Spencer's eyes for 15 straight minutes. But conveniently, Joe left that out. The crowd, when Tiago Santos fought John Jones, was screaming after every bomb that Tiago was missing, having a lot of people believe that Tiago was landing these shots. He was not landing these shots cleanly. That fight was not as close as people remember. Go watch it with the sound off. And I could continue to go on and on about how things can influence you or not influence you. And you can believe me. You cannot believe me. I don't care anymore. And I could go on a tangent about the athleticism again, but I've had that conversation. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to have it. If you don't, that's fine. Maybe I respond. Maybe I won't. Come correct. Maybe I will. Thank you guys so much. Also, UFC Rio Rancho is coming this week. I get to see some, one of my favorite fighters compete. Oh, I'm excited. Thank you all. Have a great week. So there's definitely a problem, and I, I don't see anything wrong with having a conversation yeah. about this problem, you know? Well, one thing's for sure, considering we're going to have a change of judges for the next card, here to speak about that is Chisanga Mulata. The UFC rolls into New Mexico this weekend for UFC Fight Night 167, which will take place at the Santa Ana Star Center in Rio Rancho. Just like last weekend at UFC 247, the light heavyweight division will take center stage as two of the most informed 205-pounders go head-to-head to stake their claim for the next title shot. Those fighters, of course, are none other than Corey Anderson and Jan Blachowicz. Now, as I previously mentioned just there, this fight was initially seen as the John Jones sweepstakes given the, the pair's respective win streaks. I do believe Anderson's on a three-fight win streak and Blachowicz has won his last two... Correct me if I'm wrong about Anderson, but I, off the top of my head, I do believe it's on a three-fight win streak. But sadly for both guys, given the controversial manner in which Jones's fight with Dominic Reyes ended last week, 
I really do think that they could end up being overlooked and end up being the bridesmaids again, well, particularly in the, the case of Corey Anderson. Given the close nature of Jones versus Raiders, which of course ended in a unanimous decision, victory for Jones, though many, and myself included, believe that Reyes did enough to get the nod. I wholeheartedly believe the UFC could contemplate giving Reyes an immediate shot of redemption. And by immediate shot of redemption, of course, I mean a rematch. At this moment in time, when you assess the scale, uh, the landscape of the light heavyweight division, Reyes really does have the strongest claim to fight Jones next, because obviously he's pushed him He's pushed him to, to, to the brinks, some might say. Not quite as close as the Alexander Gustafson fight, but to the brinks somewhat. And sadly, in the cases of Corey and Jan, I don't believe emphatic stoppage victories will see either of them leapfrog to Devastator in the pecking order. Now, in regards to the matchup itself, I'm currently leaning towards Corey Anderson. In his last few fights, in particular against Ilya Latifi, he showcased a marked improvement in his footwork. And now you know all these guys at Mark Henry, uh, Mark Henry's in New Jersey have great footwork, but recently it's come on leaps and bounds. And going back to the Latifi fight, he really showcased it there really well. And not to mention, as with all fighters who train with Mark Henry or who go and then start training with Mark Henry, his striking has made a marked improvement. And his striking was very, very much on point in his last fight, which, of course, was his first round stoppage victory over Johnny Walker last November at UFC 244. And, of course, UFC 244 in uh, in, uh, MSG, sorry, was where myself and the wonderful G linked up. We were (laughs) were queuing up for, I do believe it was the 245 press conference, and we just hit it off. So shout out to G. She is a G, and uh, I'm glad that I met her. Now, moving back to the fight, <laughs> moving back to the fight, I did deviate there. Um, although I'm leaning towards Corey Anderson, I don't believe that Jan Blachowicz should be overlooked. Everybody overlooked him in the fight with Luke Rockhold and even in the fight with Jacare. And look what he did to both of them, in particular Rockhold. I, I, I still believe Rockhold is recovering from that broken jaw or at least very, at the very least dealing with some of the after effects of it. Now, UFC Rancho has a host of entertaining matchups on the card, including, well, I'm trying to think, what's the most entertaining fight for me? Ah, most entertaining fights for me are obviously the tasty welterweight matchup between Diego Sanchez and the, uh, how, how, how could I put Michelle Pereira? I'd say he's, uh, he's charismatic, to say the least. So obviously you've got Diego Sanchez and Michelle Pereira and a lightweight burn burner, which I think many, many people are sleeping on which comes in the form of Yancey Medeiros versus Lando Vernata. I can't really wait for that fight. But of course, as I'm an Englishman, as I'm a, a European, or oh well, I technically know European because of Brexit. I can't even say that anymore. Uh, but from a European uh, point of view, the biggest fight of the evening is undoubtedly Nathaniel Woods' clash with perennial contender John Dodson. This fight will be Nathaniel's fourth of his run, uh, run in the UFC, and it will undoubtedly be the biggest test of his career. Now, I think that should he win this fight, this fight, it will surely propel him into the top 15. Personally, I've, when assessing his body of work and how impressive he's been, I believe that he already should be in the top 15. But as we've said many, many a time, some of the people who are in charge of the rankings and who get to essentially decide fight, fighters' futures have made some very, very questionable calls and very questionable decisions. That's for another podcast, <laughs> which uh, which I'm sure we'll uh, no doubt be doing sometime soon, because obviously, as I said just there, some of the guys and the girls on the on the rankings panels uh, are well very questionable. But anyway, should Wood get the better of Dodson, he'll finally have the big name that he's been looking for in his resume, and of course, we'll have four consecutive wins to his name. Now, in regards to the matchup itself, I'm leaning towards Nathaniel. I think that Dodson isn't the same as as a few years ago, and he's now on a downward, uh, down, not downward spiral, that's a bit harsh. He's, he's on a bit of a downturn now that he's lost three of his last four. Uh, no, uh, yes, three of his last four, correct, yes. Uh, last two of which I do believe were against Jimmy Rivera and Piotr Jan. Yes, the last one was against Piotr Jan. I think Nathaniel's going to be able to impose his will early doors, and he's going to outbox Dodson from the outset. And as I said before, just there, I haven't seen enough from John in recent years to make me think that he'll derail the prospect steam train. 
However, that being said, his after the losses to P- Jimmy Rare and Piotr Jan, his back is well and truly up against the walls. So I'm not 100% going to rule out him coming out guns blazing and uh, pulling out something spectacular out of the bag. But I just don't see him getting past one of the biggest prospects in the sport. And yes, I keep saying prospect as the pun, guys. Okay, guys, that's all from me. Chisanga Malata from the Daily Star and Daily Express. Enjoy the rest of the show. I do like where Chisanga was going with um, Nathaniel Wood because um, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I was well, I've been following Nathaniel since the time that he was um, semi-pro, and the journey that he's been on has been a roller coaster ride. And to see him, you know, reach these heady heights, you know. I I am nothing short of of being impressed by him, and uh, I really do see him securing a win over John Dodson. Um, I I'm with you on this. You might as well just say I'm from the UK. Like when it comes to this, <laughs> um, we have I think we have a fighter that is. I I don't want to say he's a prospect. I agree with Chisenga, like somewhat of a prospect, but not really. Like anybody that's has his eye on this kid for a while, like you might know what he's capable mm. of. And he's, he's on a hell of a tear is, right now, too. Yeah. The fact is, he's been rocking the prospect moniker since before um, he got into the UFC. I think once, you know, he was making waves in the UFC, I said this to him about three or four times, you need to lose the prospect as your nickname because... You're no longer the prospect, man. Come but on. But the nickname now. doesn't help. It kind of like you now associate that word with him, even though he's not a damn <laughs> yeah. prospect. I mean, this this quote unquote prospect. What has how many wins in a row here? This is nuts. Uh, you know there what I mean? He's, got, he's on like a what six seven fight win streak. This is unreal. Between Bellator, you know, and the different organizations in the UFC, he's got three um, wins wins in a row, which is kind of dope. One of them over Andre Yule, which is a pretty good that guy's a pretty feisty he just fought at ufc two uh 247 had a great fight mm. but i will speak on for john dotson being that i'm stateside i um mm. am concerned for john i feel like he's been on a decline i agree a hundred percent with chisanga i think like it's time for him to kind of be that gatekeeper and i think everything's falling into place i think uh, nathaniel wood is going to get past him and solidifying john dotson's position as a gatekeeper because he lost to uh, Peter Yan, Jimmy Rivera. Like, I don't think he can hang with the top of his division, and he's declining. So I'm, I'm going for Nathaniel Wood here, and Nathaniel has to capitalize off this momentum, get some shine from beating mm. up John Dodson, and go forward. You know, Definitely with yeah. you there. Definitely with you there. So do we have any listener questions um, this week? Yeah, we Just before we wrap sure up. sure do. Let's... Uh, jump into man of mayhem here and this pertains to you especially and you've kind of already spoken of it a bit but we're going to go into more um okay man of mayhem said out of the three contenders valentina shashenko mentioned in the post-fight presser jojo calderwood mm. jennifer meyer roxanne Mataferi, who has the best chance of dethroning the champ and do any of them actually stand a chance and mike i think you were going with jojo Jojo Calderwood all day, every day. Like I said, she should have been there anyway last night, but we are where we are. I feel she definitely deserves the next crack at the champ. How about you? Wait, wait, wait. I, I need you to answer the second part of the question. Does Jojo ah. actually stand a chance? Because I'm, I'm more interested in that than your actual pick. Mm, um, <laughs> as much as I love the Scott, I, I, I think that I would need to see a little bit more by way of um, a decline or slowing down or a lack of tools um, from Shevchenko to kind of like give Jojo any chance of beating what is basically a, a one-woman wrecking machine. I, I don't think she beats her, but I think, okay, the kindest thing I can say is I feel she gives her a good run for her money, but I just can't see anyone um of, of the three that you've mentioned actually derailing her can't see yeah, it yeah i think it's what we talked about last week i think um valentina is like did you notice how i tried to you tried to be nice did you notice how i tried to sneak yeah. <laughs> i tried to sneak out about, you did. Uh, without answering it but 
you put me back in. <laughs> I, I know. And then, it's so funny, Mike. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Like, okay, I get it. You want JoJo, but can, you think she can beat her? And please, <laughs> I shoved my ear in this phone so hard. Like, mm, let me hear it. Um, yeah. For me, I agree. Um, JoJo is next, if you ask me. And I think um, Valentina takes her to the ground and just pummels her the same way we saw her do Caitlyn Shikagian, you know. And um, yeah. But here's my twist with this question is that I think um, Lauren Murphy, who um, even though it was a controversial win, she technically got a win and she, uh, she looked pretty ferocious. She should fight Roxanne Mataferi. And if Roxanne Mataferi beats her, I think we should give our, you know, (laughs) our Rocky, our young lady with the story behind her and all her little fans, um, a chance at the title. Do I think she beats Valentina? No, but I think we have a Mm. storyline to, to sell for the entertainment True. side. Roxanne does have mm. a following and you can sell the hell out of that, I think. I mean, it's not going to you know blow pay-per-view, but it's just a little something for that division. And if she gets past Lauren Murphy emphatically, I say we give her uh, her shot, her, her title shot that she deserves. So I would like to see that, but I think JoJo is next. Most deaf. Yeah, I can live with that. Yeah. I can live with that. Next up. Next up is an interesting one. This is a mix of uh, UFC 246 and John Jones of UFC 247. And this is from Maximus 0812-7780. Remember, this is the dude that put, probably put his social <laughs> in his damn name. Change your name, Maximus. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said, um, if you guys have time, could you speak on John Jones's comments about Connor? Um, yeah. Basically, um, he wants to know what we think about the the comments that um, John made about Connor, which were that no one is going to consider him a goat greatest of all time in about 50 years. So he's not too concerned with Connor McGregor and Maximus wants to know what you and I think of those comments. You go first. I, I, I disagree. And uh, I think it's a little bit disrespectful of John to actually throw that out there. Maybe he's trying to solidify and to protect his position, which, you know, a lot of people have pointed to him as the goat, but you can't deny what Connor has done to division weight champion. You can't deny the fact that he's ever ready. You can't deny that, you know, he puts serious bums on seats. You can't deny that he's been a one-man crusade on basically ensuring that fighters get paid their worth. You can't deny that no one's done what he's done. So whilst I can see where John's coming from, I can understand why he'd say what he would say. I feel it's unjustifiable. Yeah, I feel like um, when you have, when you're such a dominant champion like John Jones, but you're starting to have some lackluster performances and you have like, you know, PEDS investigations behind you and your legacy has been marred somewhat, even though you're at the top, you're going to say some outlandish things. You know what I mean? And I think what he's saying is outlandish. Like Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor have already solidified their status and, and their place in history with the UFC. And now from a purist point of view, I don't think neither one of them are the greatest of all time, but they're always going to be remembered forever and 50 years from now. So John is incorrect. Perhaps the title of GOAT as a purist, myself, that is incorrect, but it just sounds like John is just throwing him some shade because, you know, John needs a little bit of attention and he's also (laughs) not having... People are now discussing if he's on a decline, and I think he is even though he's still winning. Because his performances are a bit lackluster, and John himself has to make excuses for his performances. You know, hey, hey, look at me. I beat a black belt in Muay Thai. Hey, hey, look at me. You mm-hmm. know, like, I, you know, <laughs> it's just even when he gets up from the fight and he wins, he has to make excuses for his performances. Nobody's yeah, saying that about yeah. Conor McGregor. So, you know, I, I can understand why he's throwing a little shade. You know, so I, I wouldn't take um, those comments too seriously, Max. You ready for the next one? Let's see. This is from Jim Assoon. And give me one sec to find it. Y'all sent a lot of comments to uh, to the to <laughs> Woe TV. Not a lot of questions. And you know what, Mike? I will say this. A lot of people are upset with this judging the point system. And a lot of people think Reyes won the fight. God bless y'all. Y'all should mm-hmm. see this bitching and moaning on my timeline. Um <laughs> Jim wants to know who do you think won the um, 
who do you think won between Latifi and Lewis? And Jim said, I had Latifi winning. So what are your thoughts on that? I'd love to know how he thought that Latifi won. Because as, as I mentioned, having seen what Lewis was capable of before, um, I wasn't expecting jumping knees. I wasn't expecting flying knees. I wasn't expecting switch kicks. I wasn't expecting high switch kicks. His takedown defense, as I mentioned, was off the charts. And, you know, him finishing so strongly in the third round, remember what I said about, you know, in the eyes of the judges, leaving them with something which, you know, is going to be memorable. That was an enormous uppercut in which he actually ended with. I'd love to know what he felt that Latifi brought to the party, what he felt he left in the game and what impression he left in the judges' minds. Because for me, it looked as though there was someone in there who was pressing um, Derek Lewis up against the cage, wasn't actually advancing any position, wasn't actually doing anything when he got the takedown. So I'd be very, very intrigued as to what I missed from Latifi. Um, I mean, Jim's not now. Jim's not here right now, so we can't. I can't speak <laughs> for him. But no, no, I think I can try. Get him on the phone. No, I wish I could, and I love Jim. If I could call him right now, I would, and just put him right on the show with us. He's so awesome. Yeah. No, he's probably so high, right? He smokes so much weed. <laughs> but, um, you know what I think it is? We're gonna we're gonna talk about this again. It's old school judging. Jim is old school. He's been mm. watching the sport for hella long. I've been watching the sport for hella long, and I have a confession. When I first watched this fight last night now granted i was a bit inebriated so you know mm -hmm. i was a little off but no excuses at first i was like i think latifi won and then you know this morning sober and watching the fight i'm like what the fuck was i thinking um he did not win that fight but you have to understand that i'm like jim i was inebriated one and two yeah. <laughs> i'm from an old school era Back in the day, if you got a takedown at the last second of a round, you can you can steal the round. It's not like that anymore. Mm. It's not like that anymore. So even though Latifi threw Derek around and it looked bad, there were moments of him kind of like controlling him but doing nothing with it. In this day and age, that no longer works. And and when I look in my mentions, there are some people, believe it or not, Mike, that are saying Latifi won. And when I look at them, wow. I don't even like judge them. I just as soon as I see that, I'm like, oh, you old school. You know, what I'm immediately I'm like, that's an old school fan. That ain't no new person. Mm, mm. That ain't no somebody that just hopped on board because you like Conor McGregor and now you're getting into the sport. You're somebody like me that remembers back in the day, some fighters knew to sneak out around. By, you know, straight up just tackling somebody. Oh, they won. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's why you'll hear, you'll see that people think Latifi won. I don't at all. Derek Lewis run rounds one and three. It's over. Oh, he won. Clear and concise. Mm. 100%. Yeah. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Wocast. Join us next time. But before then, if you do want to continue any of the discussions or any of the issues or talking points that we raised today, you can join us via Twitter. I'm at Mike Woe TV and G is at, at the G Spot MMA. <laughs> well, Mike, you have fun out there and make sure you cause some trouble. You heard? <laughs> Always.